Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 20 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Becchione. Welcome to today's episode. I am so, so thankful to say, welcome back to FASD Hope. I am here with one of my favorite people, Jennifer Wisdall, COO of FASD United. And we've got six months of hope to catch up on. Y'all know that I've been unavailable. And um, during that stillness, I realized that we need hope. And I'm going to give hope whenever I can and share hope whenever I can. And we need that voice in not only the United States, but everywhere. So I'm, I'm out of hibernation. Thankfully, it was not a permanent one. And I'm here with one of my dear, dear friends, Jen Wisdall. And this is called the Welcome Back. We need more hope episode. So Jen Wisdall, welcome back, my friend. It's like my favorite Star Wars movie, A New Hope. <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh Sorry, my, my goodness! My inner nerd is showing. And you know, we we have been talking for like a half hour before. That, that That's just how Jen and I roll. We've been talking for a half hour, catching up. And um, when I talked to her last week and kind of told her what was in my heart, poor thing, I she was recovering from a cold and, and she, I could get her to stop coughing. And I was just like, you know, <laughs> Okay, I won't I won't tell you any more exciting news. Okay. And I'm just so, so thankful. This feels so right. Just keeping it up. And I'm going to let Jen lead the first question or two. And then Jen's going to fill us in on the amazing, exciting things that are happening with FASD United and how we need you, you listeners, you, dear family members, you, dear advocates, we need you, especially now. So I'm going to pass the mic to Jen. Well, I think, you know, something we were talking about before, Natalie, um, is that sometimes in the stillness lies wisdom, right? And I think, you know, I, I definitely want to talk about that stillness that you needed uh, in your life and why why you took that break. But as we were talking about it too, I think sometimes in the action lies hope. And sometimes I think that we in FASD world can feel a little without hope because there aren't tangible action steps that we can take to give us that hope. And I think in our conversation today, we're going to talk about what are some of those tangible, there I go with the cough, action steps that we can take to give us hope. So you can tell I'm getting excited. This hope word makes me so excited that I cough. So that's her <laughs> trigger word. It, is, it, it totally is. So let's talk about really what caused the need for the stillness. And I'm not asking you out of a need to pry or a desire to pry, but I think that your experience is very typical of the experience of many and I think when we talk about it out loud and, and we talk about the whys, it brings hope to others because it brings community. It brings understanding. You feel like you're not alone in this. So about six months ago, we had just come off of a real high. We had recorded two your anniversary, yep. two year anniversary, 60,000 yep. downloads, yep. like things were rocking and rolling. And yep. quite honestly, you're a podcast machine, um, <laughs> just cranking out the hits. And then all of a sudden, you felt the need to stop. And let's talk. Let's talk about that. What What happened? Well, it really I'm trying to think of just how to explain it all. We were going at this this great rate and just advocating and just. Everything was just going so wonderfully. Behind the scenes, things were just slowly starting to deteriorate. You all know that our, our son, um, he'll actually be 21 this year. And uh, 
since the transition from being a teenager, having an FASD, to being a young adult, so many of you know that there are very minimal, if any, supports and services to help with that transition from school age to young adult. And we faced that. We created this, you know, we had this concept. We wrote the book about it. I had to just talk about it, this tiny house. And and he was going to live in it. And it was just going to be great. And he was going to keep working part time and this and that. That lasted three weeks. And then, and then things like just if you cued like the, the scary music, just things just started going to go here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I want to run away. When your young adult says he, he wants to wait, he or she wants to run away. It's much different than when younger children say it, or even when teenagers say it, because there's a lot more at stake. We basically, that's when I started realizing that we needed to take, to take a pause. And I initially thought back in November, this was going to be a pause. Um, but then it got, it, it became more apparent that things could take a really dire turn. You and I have quite a few friends, for example, Melissa Jacobus Cook, other other friends who are parents of adults. And um, things can get really hairy. Things were starting to, to look like that. So that's when I realized that uh, I needed to make this I wasn't sure how long I was going to pause it, it, you know, and if this was even going to be a pause versus being a stop. So, you know, I, I did that episode, um, in November and basically walked away from everything and I needed the stillness. I needed the quiet, which wasn't quiet. Um, he officially left our house in December um, which turned into just a whole calamity of things, went out of state. The person he went out of state with basically kind of dropped him off and said, okay, see you later, bye. So my husband had to rent a truck, go up, get him stuff, get it, everything and bring him back. And he's, you know, temporarily staying with a family member. And uh, in um, actually, uh, as we hear this, um, in, in a week, he'll be moving into uh, a, a tiny little apartment until um you know just until we we figure things out it's only this apartment's 20 minutes from us we're happy with the circumstances we also in that time period also we needed to get a neuropsych done we started applying for things like ssi all that good stuff which cautionary tale if you have a teenager an older teenager start that stuff now 17 and a half. And I thought, oh, no, 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 that's okay. No, you start if you know that your teenage child is eligible for those types of services, SSI, all the other stuff, do it when they tell you 17 and a half, because 20 and a half. No, I, I that's one, one of many things I learned during this time was we should have started paperwork, all that meetings, neuropsych assessments, everything like that. Um, so where we're at now, last week, you know, in the stillness, um, you learn a lot of things. And something that gave me hope about this podcast while I was on this hiatus, is I would periodically check in just to see, you know, hey, any new messages, anything like that. And of course, we shut down the website because that was just something that my husband and I just couldn't, could no longer continue. But again, there were 163 episodes out there. So I felt, you know, pretty good saying, okay, well, we can't have the website, but here's, here's your library. Our numbers were still going up. When we had our conversation for our two-year podversary, we're rounding 60,000. We're rounding 65,000 now in six months. And I haven't promoted a single episode. This is all God's amazing power to get the hope out there. That just kind of put it in my heart that um, seeing that, that people still need to hear from us. 
even if we're a train wreck, even if we're a dumpster fire, as I love to tell my soul sister, Sandra Fleck, who, by the way, her her podcast, The Adoption and Foster Care Journey, is Sandra is really doing a lot to talk about and educate about FASD. So I um, highly recommend listening to her too. But to bring this monologue to a close, I realized that even if I only could do this uh, once or twice a month, that we still need to give people the opportunity to share what's hopeful in the FASD community, what resources are in the FASD community, and most importantly, what can you do to help us get the justice, the support, the services, the laws, the funding? What can you do to help us get to our goals and get to where we need to go? So that's why I'm back. And uh, again, you were the third person I talked to when when I made that decision. And um, I'm, I'm just, I, I have goosebumps. It feels really good to be back. I am so excited that you are back, honestly, because, you know, I, I, I think that many of us so often, you know, people with FASD feel alone and parents and caregivers and people who love people with FASD can feel very alone. And having something like this reaching out, you know, that you can connect with to personalize this experience, um, I, I think is huge and it, and it brings hope. So um, I could not be more thrilled. <laughs> To have my partner in crime, my my voice behind the microphone. I missed you. Um, I missed you so much. Back, <laughs> back at it. Um, you know, we we've had a lot of stuff happen in uh, in the last six months, and I think that you know that's another important thing that you get out there through this podcast journey is kind of connecting people with what's going on in the world of FASD. It's, you know, do, 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 late breaking news with Natalie Vecchione, <laughs> right? But there, there, there is a lot happening. And I think those things that are happening can also bring hope. And I really um, appreciate the opportunity to, um, you know, spread that message out there that there are things going on. There is action being taken um, to change the world as we know it for people living with FASD. And, you know, that sounds really lofty and aspirational, um, but isn't that what we want to do? Mm -hmm. We want yeah. to make the world a better place for people living with this disability. Yes. You know, it, you know, and we can talk about prevention. We can we can talk about that. But at the end of the day, where there's alcohol, there's going to be people living with FASD yes. and people with FASD deserve to have recognition of their disability and recognition of their needs and celebration yes. of who they are. And um, I'm just really excited to to have this platform back to be able to talk about that. So yay! <laughs> and Jen, you you and I are also we're still in the trenches, okay? Because mm -hmm. people think you know. I remember when our son was a little, and you remember when your kids were littles. And I, you know, our our daughter. I blocked that memory thing. And I know. <laughs> I know. Sometimes we're like, eh, yeah, we skip skip ahead, but. Our, our, our daughter is going to be eight. And although she does not have an FASD, you know, it, we're still living in that, you know, young elementary age kind of, of child world. You think I'm just working so hard and everything. You level up about 10 levels when you get to that 18, 19, 20, 21 age. And I'm in the trenches and we're going through a lot of, of a lot of stuff and you're in the trenches too and you're going through a lot of stuff but I think another thing that we need to make apparent and again I feel like that I need to be a servant in this community 
we have a very dear mutual friend, and I think he is a role model, Lucas Daniel Boyce. And his title, he says right there on his awesome LinkedIn bio, he's a servant leader. And I love that. And I think that's what you and I are aspiring to do too. Through our difficult journeys, the really journeys that are going to break us, but at the same time, we need to celebrate the triumphs. We need to celebrate, hey, we finally got this support and service, or hey, this happened. You and I are in different ways. We still have to serve the community and to rally other people to do that. So I'm just, again, I'm humbled and I'm really thankful for the relationship that I have with FASD United that I can say, hey guys, maybe once or twice a month. And you guys are like, what? <laughs> so this is our hope update 2.0. This is our first episode in 2023 and it's been six months. We've got a lot to talk about from FASD United. Let's talk about the first thing we want to share. And I think that would be, let's have an update about the FASD Respect Act and moving forward. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm finally at the point where I can get through this without crying. So, <laughs> so for any of you who may not know, um, Back in uh, 2021, we started putting forward um, some legislation called uh, the uh, Advancing FASD uh, Research uh, Prevention um, Education and Support Act, I believe was the original title. And I heard that and went, eh, why is research and prevention first? How come support isn't first? <laughs> And then I looked at the letters and kind of rearranged them and I'm like, oh, FASD respect. That's really what we want is we want the FASD Respect Act. And so just a quick uh, political um, primer here. Congress, the House and Senate serves in two year cycles. You've got two years to get a bill passed. Otherwise, you have to start all over again. So. 2021 was the start of the 117th Congress. It went through 2022. So in those two years, we, the FASD community, met with over 400 lawmakers, educating them about FASD. We had over 1,500 self-advocates, parents, caregivers, researchers, doctors, community members in, within the FASD community reach out to legislators and educate them about FASD and promote the FASD Respect Act. Like that's huge. That had never been done before in, in the history of FASD. And so this bill was trucking along and trucking along. And um, we had previous bills because there had been bills introduced previously the most co-sponsors or um, federal uh, legislators who said, yes, I support this bill and signed their name to say, yes, I support this bill. The most that had ever been had was nine total. We had a total of 74 this last go round in the 117th Congress. So as we're getting towards the end of the year, we're all getting a little nervous and a little excited because we know that our lead authors we're moving heaven and earth and out there, you know, <laughs> talking to people and really trying to get this bill passed. We know that Republicans and Democrats came together in the Senate and um, agreed on some language and this was going to happen. And as time kept ticking and time kept ticking, it came down to one legislator not understanding fully what we were trying to do and stop the bill in its tracks. And so just before Christmas, we got the word that the FASD Respect Act was dead um, just before Christmas, 2022. And um, it was interesting because I was expecting and I was so worried as someone who had carried this torch, I was so worried about the backlash from the community 
that this didn't pass and that um, just how angry people were going to be with me and with FASD United about this bill not passing. And instead, what I got was a community of mourners mourning with me. And I, you know, never want to uh, promote mourning necessarily or something sad. This is FASD hope that we're talking about. But in that moment, in that solidarity with people sobbing on a Zoom call as I'm telling them about this and I'm sobbing, you felt that community, that we were all equally invested in changing the world for the people we love and for people living with FASD. And it was a beautiful moment. It stunk, don't get me wrong, I don't ever wanna have to go through that again. But it was beautiful how the community was together in advocacy, but also together in mourning. So we know grieving is part of hope. We know really that. Is. And actually grieving, when you go through grief, you can get hope in your grief. Because I'm thinking of where I was at that point, managing crises. And when I heard that happened, my first thought was, look how far you came. Look how far that bill came. Look how far we came. And when I kind of dropped off the face of the earth, I had that community too saying, oh my goodness, how can I help you? You're in an emergency. How can I help you? So this shows to us, my friend, how much stronger the community has become, especially like I would say in the past three to five years. So hearing that, my first thought was was never like you poor thing. I, oh my, I can't believe you felt that. No, oh my goodness, Jen, you and Susan and everybody took this bill the furthest it ever could. Oh my goodness. So it so so it, it took a that, while to get that perspective though. Yes, yes, <laughs> and yes. and just like you know managing dumpster fires over here, it took me six months to get that perspective of hey, it's okay. And I still need to help others. And this is part of our journey, just like that is part of your journey, all of the work and effort and everything. So let's talk about how we're moving forward with the bill and the new bill. Absolutely. So we are reintroducing the bill. Um, we've gone from the original bill was like 64 pages long. It was huge. It was gigantic. And the language that was agreed upon in the Senate last year um, really narrowed it down, but kept the whole vibe of supporting and um, increasing resources and supports for people living with FASD. And I think Congress really heard that that's what we need. You know, that, that there's funding out there for research and there should be, we need that. There's funding out there for prevention. Okay, cool. But what is there for people living with this disability? And so the language of the the kind of the slimmed down version of the bill that the House and Senate agreed on at the end of the year last year, that's what we're taking forward this year because we know it's agreed upon. We know that it's been vetted through and we know that it still keeps the original intent which is to, <laughs> excuse me, I'm getting all excited again, give, um, give the states funding to be able to build systems of support for people living with FASD. So that's what we're going forward with, the RESPECT Act 2.0. Um, our lead authors um, that have agreed to be lead authors are still Senators Murkowski uh, from the great state of Alaska, Senator Kobachar from uh, the great state of Minnesota. Um, and in the House, um, we have Senator McCollum from Minnesota, or sorry, Representative McCollum from Minnesota and Representative Don Bacon from Nebraska. Um, and he's, he's our new one to the party and um, is uh, involved in the adoption, adoption and foster care world. And uh, he's the Republican on the bill. And he was somebody that signed on to be a co-sponsor last year without us even meeting with him. He just signed on. So, uh, yeah, and he's known for um, working across the aisle. 
So that's great. And I know that as we air this, we're going to have one of our monthly forums. It's the last Wednesday of every month. That's something I I was able to do during this hiatus is, is keep up on that and learn about not just where the FASD Respect Act, the, the new improved version came in, but also what the states are doing, which is incredible. So let's talk about the forum and let's also talk about some of the bright spots from some of our states. Yeah, this is... And this is so cool because I feel like things are coming together nationally, but also it's lending itself to things happening in states. Um, people are feeling empowered and that makes me so happy. And that was one of the you know bits of solace that I took, you know, at the end of the year last year when I was like, oh my gosh, I failed everyone. It didn't fail everyone. Um, I learned and I helped and I supported and did we get what we wanted? No. Are we going to stop? Never. And did other people, were other people able to accomplish great things alongside of this? Absolutely. So highlight of the year last year, um, California passed some pretty wicked legislation. Um, you know, hats off to the folks at FASD now, which there's all kinds of different FASD organizations around the state of California. Um, I'm not saying California has it better than any other state. Not the case. They would argue definitely that it's not the case. Um, but all these organizations, instead of kind of turf warring and stuff like that, they got together as a group, FASD now, and they put some legislation forward uh, that added FASD as a qualifying condition for um, under other health impaired for special education. And again, you're like, okay, yeah, well, okay. How does that matter? Well, it matters in California because that helps people with FASD qualify for regional center services, which is similar to waiver services in other states, right? So this was a path to getting people with FASD more supports and services and also getting the schools a little bit more educated about FASD. So in other states, getting that FASD under other health impaired might not mean much, but in California, massive. That was a great first step. And really what I loved about that too is just the way all these different groups got together and worked in unison. Just so impressed by FASD now and the and, and the work that they did together. So that's a highlight there. And that can be a template for other states mm -hmm. because Absolutely. we know great things are happening in other states. Absolutely. I know Hawaii had legislation going out. I know New York had legislation. I know Florida had legislation. Um, our buddy Carl, the introvert from North Dakota, um, managed to get some legislation passed in North Dakota um, that he's going to talk about at our policy forum. Um, Washington State uh, got some legislation passed to get more funding for support services for early intervention and younger kids with prenatal substance exposure with a focus on FASD. Um, it's exciting. And you know, I, I think sometimes people look at policy and they're like, Ugh, politics, I hate politics. And, you know, there's a lot to, not to love with politics. Let's let's be clear there. But what policy does and one of the reasons why FASD is not more broadly known is because in order for these professionals, you know, you can go out and train professionals to know about FASD, but unless they're funded to be able to bill Medicaid, um, bill insurance companies, um, have diagnostic codes that they can use, things like that. It's great that they're aware of it, but they can't really do much about it. And so you can spend all the time in the world training and doing great training, but without policy to bring funding, <laughs> you're not going to make the headway that you want. And that's why the policy piece is so important. And so in our policy forums that we have, it's the, the last Wednesday of each month. We've only missed one in uh, two, two years now we've been doing them. 
because I was sick again. <laughs> but uh, we teach people how to approach their legislators as each person has two senators and one representative. And I have a little TikTok dance that goes along with that. If this was on video, you'd laugh so hard because it's my two senators and one rep dance. Um, on the federal level, that's what you have. And so we teach self-advocates, parents, caregivers, professionals, how to approach those legislators and talk to them about FASD. And you know, everybody kind of has their FASD 101 speech and that sort of thing. But we teach them how to talk so that the legislators will listen. What are the talking points you need to hit so that it will mean something to them? And so that's one of the ways that you can take action uh, is by, you know, participating in the policy forum and learning how to do outreach to your legislators. There are people over the last two years that went from never having a single meeting with their legislator to meeting with 40, 50 of them <laughs> and, and helping people all throughout the state um, meet with their legislators. There are some real clear um, uh, aficionados of the legislative meeting that have come out of this because it's a way to feel empowered. It's a way to feel like you're doing something that is making a difference, and it is. Um, we've had appropriations requests. So when you get a bill passed, the bill authorizes the government to spend the money, but it doesn't always put a price tag or approve the budget. It says, yeah, you can put a budget item in there, but the appropriations actually gives the money in the budget to be able to do that work. Bill says you can do the work. Appropriations says here's the money to do it with. So we've had appropriations requests put in by legislators now to fund things for FASD and increase funding levels for some things with it for FASD um, that aren't necessarily tied to a bill, which is cool. And that's happened because of all this outreach that people have done. We've shown ourselves to be a viable political movement. And that's not an FASD United thing. That's an everybody thing. Yes. You know, even if you don't like FASD United, hey, cool, we get that. You can still reach out to your two senators and your one rep. And if you want help, we still want, we still want to help you with that. We still want to give you that support. So, um, you know, th there's lots of exciting things happening in that world outside of just the FASD Respect Act 2.0, which we really hope is going to be reintroduced here very, very soon. Um, we're waiting on pins and needles for hopefully a text tomorrow morning prior to the policy forum even uh, to see if we have uh, more information to update you on. And this and is one of the reasons why we're strategically releasing this episode tonight <laughs> so that if you can join in, Jen, how can people listen in? How If they want to sign up to participate, how can they do that? People can uh, can join the, the policy forum by going to our website, um, FASDunited.org, uh, click on the policy center um, or click on events. And uh, there's a Zoom link right there. Join in. Um, people are chatting throughout it in the chat. Um, we answer questions. It's, it's pretty interactive. It's not just me standing there talking for an hour although sometimes I can, <laughs> um, but uh, no, it, it's your opportunity to ask questions. If that environment though, if a policy forum where there's like 80 people on a call is too much, every Wednesday that we don't have the policy forum, we have a policy drop-in. And that is your opportunity to hop on a Zoom call with myself and Susan Shepard Carlson, who's our now our board chair. Um, that's another update from last year. Uh, she ran our policy committee before, and now she chairs the board of FASD United. But um, you can you can stop in. It's a half an hour every Wednesday at noon Eastern, and ask whatever questions you want um, about policy, about what we're doing at FASD United, about ways you can get in, you can get involved. Um, so you know that's another avenue. And there's a usual crowd that shows up to those Wednesday meetings of advocates that are, you know, super smart and uh, doing great things in their own state in their own right. So it's a great way to meet other people that are also doing advocacy. Um, so it's, it's 
it's not a support group because and there's lots of those out there too um, the FASD collaborative has a great listing of all kinds of support groups that's at the FASD collaborative.com but um, yeah this is more like an advocacy group one more quick question before we move on Jen we have listeners not only in the US but all over the world if people in other countries want ideas or just want to um, brainstorm about legislation, whatnot, how can they contact you or FASD United to, um, you know, for international, I guess, type of um, networking? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I do have limited knowledge on um, the parliamentary process uh, or processes, I would say, when I was living in Canada. Uh, <laughs> but uh, join us anyway you know it's community and well the mechanics of what's happening might be different in each country the way you approach people and the way you deliver the message in a positive solutions oriented way and that's a key right there they want us to come with here's the problem but here's the solution those um those methods are universal and you may tweak them for your region or tweak them based on cultural norms, tweak them based on, on the way um, legislation is passed in your country, but join us. We don't care. We don't check ID. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So let's talk about the family navigator program, because I know prior to our pause and during our pause, I have been sending people to this awesome, awesome program that not only did you start, but now is developing and growing. That is a huge resource. And I really want listeners to know what it is and how it can benefit them. So I want you to sit back and I want you to think, Natalie, about the first time you ever spoke with another parent of a person with FASD. Think about that moment and think about how that felt. It was good, wasn't it? Validating, <laughs> validating. <laughs> Empowering and validating. Yes. And, and if you haven't had an opportunity to yet, this is where the Family Navigator comes in. So for years, FASD United, formerly NOFAS, because we were formerly NOFAS, um, we had a resource directory. And the funding for FASD United was really limited and it didn't always get updated as often as resources changed and shifted and adjusted. And for anybody who's ran a resource directory before, it's out of date the minute you put it up. Um, it is an ongoing slog to keep a resource directory updated. And it's kind of challenging because often we need the resources more than the resources need to be listed. So even finding people or um, let's say diagnosticians that want to have their name up there on a website um, as a diagnostician, that can be a challenge. So where the Family Navigator comes in is we are working in a bi-directional way. What that means is anybody, anywhere, for any reason, can reach out from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, and connect with our family navigators. And our family navigators will go through that resource directory, make sure what they're sending you is current and up to date. If they can't find what you're looking for, they will go out there and look for it for you and get back to you with as much information as they can find or get to help you out with your request. You don't need a referral. It doesn't cost money. And all of our navigators are also parents or caregivers of people living with FASD. And, you know, it, it's exciting. So when I say it's bi-directional, what that means is as they're doing that outreach, also they're gathering new resources. They are connecting with organizations that maybe don't support FASD, but maybe could giving them information and they're collecting that resource directory. So it's working in tandem. The other thing it's doing is we're keeping track of 
um, how many people are calling and or, or writing into the navigator saying, hey, I need a diagnostic resource. And when we send a diagnostic resource, is it more than an hour away? Is it out of state? Is it just not available? And so we're keeping data and statistics on the type of resources we're sending. So what people are asking for versus what resources are available and then where the gaps are. And with that kind of data, we can then go back to policymakers. We can then go back to agencies and say, hey, yeah, um, there is a big old gap here. And here's how we know this. Here's how we measured it. And here's how you need to fix it. Right? So it's, it's working yes. in, in multiple ways to address issues. And this program started out with one person, uh, Heather French, who is amazing. Um, and um, originally we told her that she might be working less than eight hours a week. That's what she was told when she was hired in. Um, she's at 40 hours a week right now. <laughs> and I use air quotes around the 40. <laughs> but that program really has grown. We've served over 500 families. Um, and it, it keeps growing. And it's not just families that are, are, are connecting with us. It's people with FASD. It's um, physicians. It's lawyers. It's teachers. Um, it's anybody who needs to know more about a particular aspect of FASD or in general can connect with our navigators. But it's also those family members who have never met and are connected with another parent who gets it who just understands that our life is just maybe a little different than, than other families. A little okay. different, a little different. <laughs> and that's okay. So our, yeah, our the... lives are like <laughs> off the chart. <laughs> different, my friend. But I say that very affectionately though. I mean, this journey, there's no other journey like this journey, but that is why I think this community is so strong and, and so resilient coming back from things, coming back from challenges, personal community as a whole community, we are resilient. And I love hearing that the navigator program has grown and, and is continuing to grow. And that is so cool. Is FASD United supporting family members, anybody who needs information, but by that, you're getting data, you're getting information to support and get even more, you know, funding and recognition and, and whatnot. So that is so cool. I love that bi-direction aspect, Jen. That's awesome. That's well, awesome. I think we, we don't have enough going on in FASD land that one thing can just be one thing. We can't stop at just one thing. Things need to serve multiple purposes right? Because we as a community are so resourceful and we want to get everything we can out of every resource we have. And, and if so, there's not a resource, we'll make one. <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's mm -hmm. what we do. We're a scrappy bunch. We are a scrappy <laughs> bunch. It, it's grow The program's growing. Um, we're excited to um, you know, have the people working in it that we have now, um, you know, shout out to Laura Bedard and Laura Bousquet Yay. and, um, Kristen Erickson, who, and, and of course, Heather French are our navigators, um, in the future, I would like to see us add a person with FASD, um, an adult with FASD to our navigator team, um, working on funding and structure for that, because I think it would be amazing for adults with FASD to be able to have that same experience of, you know, connecting with their peers, connecting with somebody else who gets it, right? Yes. Um, and I think that perspective is such a great one to have. You know, there, there's a lot of really, you know, as much as we talk about, you know, it, with your kids in their 20s, it's, it's a challenging time because they're hitting adulthood and, wanting to make their own decisions and rightfully so but sometimes those decisions um can be dangerous or they can be maybe uh, a, a decision that is making a decision for 40 year old them at age 20 and you know listening to the adults with fasd who've been there done that um 
I think is there's a lot of wisdom in that in that community and untapped wisdom. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of the direction we want to go in. And you know, speaking of future, um, yes, let's talk about what's coming up. So um, excited that Run Fast is happening again in 2023. If you haven't done this yet, um, this is an opportunity to lace up your running shoes and run, walk, row, bike, skip, hop, jump. Um, it doesn't matter how you do it, but it is a um, an event to bring FASD awareness to the community. Um, so it's built as a virtual 5K, but again, you don't have to be able to do 5K to be able to do run fast. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to run fast to run FASD. Um, and we accommodate. That's we what accommodate. our community is about. This exactly. is the This is the virtual 5K with accommodations galore. Exactly. Um, uh, that's done in conjunction with our, our, our one of our favorite self-advocates and a dear friend, oh, Rebecca Tallulah. Rebecca Tallulah. Um, and this is our third annual run fest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, my this, goodness. I can't believe it's been three years already. Um, so excited to have that coming up in September. Um, also in September, we are launching a National Advocacy Week. Um, so we are inviting everyone to come to Washington, D.C., if you can. Um, We'll be having a national research briefing to uh, talk about what's happened this year in the world of research and how can it move the field forward. So we're going to have kind of the best of the best there to, to talk about what's innovative, what's new, what's happening, what's shaking bacon, um, you know, what's going on. Um, we've got our Red Shoes Gala, which is, you know, it's 50 years uh, since FASD was first diagnosed in the U.S. this year. Um, so we're going to be celebrating that at our, our Red Shoes Gala. And then last but certainly not least, my favorite piece of the puzzle um, is um, Hill Days, National Hill Days. So I'm inviting everyone to come to D.C. and we will go up to Capitol Hill together and talk to our legislators and and you'll have support with this. We'll support you through it. Pair you up with other advocates from other states that have done it before or with advocates from your state and take you to the Hill, get you in front of legislators and talk to them about why people with FASD need more support and what they can do to affect change in our communities to make the world a better place for people living with FASD. That's important. It's powerful. So um, if you're interested in in doing that, um, again, there's information on the FASD United website. I really hope, uh, you know, that that, um, we'll get a big crowd out for this and um, get a big group out uh, to head up to the hill. I'm envisioning a a sea of red sneakers and, um, you know, self-advocates. parents, families, grandparents, caregivers. And if you can't make it to DC, um, because I know there have been times in my life and and sometimes there still are where I can't imagine traveling with my family because it's just not the right time. It's not that season yet. Um, That's that's okay. We are going to um, do our best to um, stream the research briefing as best as possible. And um, we will have resources available and, and throughout the year for you to be able to meet with your legislators over Zoom and um, have those same conversations. Uh, now, I will say it is a bit different going in person in DC and it just rings a little different when uh, a legislator from Louisiana has people showing up from Louisiana in DC to talk to them. Yeah. but. It can be just as powerful doing it on Zoom if you, you know, if that's the only way you can take action is over Zoom. Hey, cool. Nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that game. But I'm really excited to have a community event in our nation's capital working together to affect change. And and I think that's pretty cool. So um, excited to see everybody there. Um, You'll you'll realize I'm much shorter in person than I sound on (laughs) on podcast. (laughs) We're 
all shorter in person, Jen. Exactly. In real life, I'm five foot ten and a natural redhead. I just play this on TV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I. In, in all honesty, I'm just I'm excited to see the community in action, um, and really hope that um, those of you that can join us in DC do. And if you can't, again, that's okay. There's ways you can take action in your own community that are just as impactful and we appreciate them. Yes. Yes. And I will share and link and tag FASD United in our, uh, this week's post. We really, anytime we can get, um, you know, get that momentum going, it just, it shows to the world, the power of this community. Um, you know, and that was interesting. Um, when we first met with one of Senator Murkowski's aides that is no longer there, um, she was kind of cold um, to us uh, the first couple of times we met with her. And it was fascinating because by the end of the journey, by the end of last Congress, she was so personable and hugging us and, and just really, you know, I found out that like a just before she she left the senator's office at the end of the last congressional session just how much legwork she had been doing on behalf of our cause tons of it and when we asked her about it she said you know it's because of all the work the community has done to make this this issue come to the top and so it really you know these actions these small steps that we take in speaking to our legislators in building momentum in in bringing the issue up to the forefront it has impact every little piece that we do has impact and you know if you're sitting at home feeling like oh my goodness i'm just in the thick of this i can't do another thing sometimes just breathing has impact sometimes just taking the next step getting up and taking a shower (laughs) you know things like that can have impact um Impact is relative, but impact is also, you know, impact is impact. It's strong no matter what you do. And so I I encourage you in your own way to take action and have impact. And I have to tell you personally that if you think I can't do anything until my life is stable, that's not going to (laughs) happen. I remember telling that to Jen. I, I can't I can't think about anything right now until things are stable. You know what? Things the, the stable is a spectrum. Stability <laughs> is a spectrum. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I'm just gonna do what I can. And I I think that we again as a community, we're so tapped out. All of us, you know, self-advocates, parent advocates, professional advocates, we're all tapped out. So just do what you can. And like we've talked about in so many other episodes, you have that ripple effect. So if you can just throw one pebble out there, it's going to have an effect, whether it be through Zoom, in person, by email, by text, anything, reaching out to someone who just needs you, you know, and I can say just just with all honesty that this community just we need to keep the hope going just like we're just like the momentum is going for legislation. The momentum is going for supports and services. The ment- momentum is going for so many things. The hope has to keep going too. I, again, I'm going to do what I can. Like I said, even if it's once or twice a month, I'm going to do what I can because I, I can't stay away from this community. I love this community too much. E- even in the darkest, most bottom of my trenchiest moment as a mom, I, I still, I'll get texts from you. I'll get texts from Susan Ellsworth. I'll get, you know, texts from Sandra Flack. Y'all are there. And, and I think we all understand whether you're living with an FASD, whether you're a parent of someone living with an FASD and any role you are in this community, that, that fellowship is, is gold. It really is. I, I'm safe. I'm I'm so thankful that Sandra and and my our online support community, Hope for the FASG Journey, was there. They were, they were literally praying for us as his friend was driving him out of state. Like we're all bawling, and and that 
if you can find that tribe, that fellowship, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in this journey, that is a lifeline. And, and I have to say, Jen, that you've been such a, a lifeline, you know, and so many other people in this wonderful community. So um, again, to quote our dear friend and role model, Lucas Daniel Boyce, to be a servant leader, I think is just the most humble and honorable thing you can do. And I am, um, I, I just, I love you all so much. I, I just want to give hope updates. So just like the FASD Respect Act, F- FASD Hope 2.0, you're not going to get as much of a quantity, but you're still going to get the hope. You're still going to get the infusions of hope. You're still going to get conversations with people who are, are going to give us hope. So, and again, um, thank you for having me back, Jen. Thanks for being back, Natalie. I needed, I need you. I need you in my life. Uh, I need your I need hope. You. I need you. And of course, let's end on a hope takeaway. So many things happening. Before we end on a hope takeaway, just a reminder. And if you want more information about tomorrow's meeting, Wednesday's meeting, April's meeting, or future meetings, go to FASDunited.org. And the weekly forums, too, if you want the smaller, more intimate version of those forums, again, go to FASDunited.org. So now let's end with my favorite hope takeaway with my one of my favorite guests, Jen Wisdall. Jen, you have so much hope and you've given me so much hope during this extended pause and 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 just so many times. Let's give them some hope. So my hope takeaway, um, I was lucky enough to be able to present at the Interagency Coordinating Committee on FASD um, this month. Um, And that's like all the government agencies that um, some of them do work on FASD, some of them could if they had funding, Um, but they invited the change makers, the ALC change makers, the Adult Leadership Committee uh, change makers, which are adults living with FASD, um, and just some remarkable people, um, honestly. Um, and one of the folks that I was able to interact with there, um, she was talking about how um, language matters and how we talk about FASD matters, and it matters to them as people diagnosed with FASD. And one of the things that she said that just made an immediate impact on me, but also gave me such a great hope was that they are not people with lived experience. They are people with living experience. And the tense of that word is so key and so important because lived experience CJ, I'm listening to you. (laughs) Um, Lived experience sounds like it's final. It's over. They lived it. But FASD, people with FASD are here. They're in our communities and they are living. And that's the way we should refer to them. And so that's been a shift for me, but also the positivity of the living message as opposed to the lived message. You know, as a parent, I am living, not lived, because I am learning, I am growing, I am doing new things. So I I just, I challenge the community at large to pick up on the wisdom of the ALC changemakers and start looking at this as living experience, not lived experience. We're using our future goggles. We are pushing forward and, and, and we're bringing hope. And, and that gives me so much hope. Yes. I love that. Ah, it's good to be back, my friend. Thank you so much. My most frequent guest. And uh, you're just, you've done so much and the community's come so far and changing the tense of that, the community is still moving forward. And I, I love, I love that. Jen Wisdall from FASD United. Thank you so much for 
welcoming FASD Hope back into the world. We needed you. Glad you're here. Everyone, we'll catch you next month. Take care and remember to always have hope. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. Please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.